panties. I read something depressing that said most Americans will spend 90,000 hours of their life at work. Oh, holy shit. That is depressing. I know. It's a lot of time. I think whenever you hear something like that, like however many hours that you sleep or how many hours that the average person watches TV in their lifetime, it's always just like shocking. But work, we take work too seriously here in America, I feel like. We really do. It's it's so true. It ends up being, I mean, like a third of your life you spend at the office or, you know, grinding down wherever that means to you. Absolutely. All right. Well, here we are to talk about day job versus dream job today. One thing that I thought, you know, is... I wanted to just start the conversation by asking what a dream job is. I mean, what does that mean to us? So unfortunately, it seems like the reality is even when you have what seems to be the perfect job, it ends up feeling like work. And for those with their dream jobs, a lot of times it seems like they have their dream job, but it's the center of their whole life, you know? So like, I don't think I have my dream job, but I have my dream family, my, my kids and my husband and my home is exactly what I want it to be. And in some ways, you know, that feels like an exchange for me. Like when I think about things that I would really want to do is like a quote unquote dream job. They're these jobs that take, you know, all of your time and energy and effort. And it's not really possible right now for me to have such a focus on that. And when I think about my life, I don't necessarily even want to focus in that deeply on my work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you when you think about that, you have to prioritize what really is important to you. And I think that thinking about what your dream life would be and what you find most important, whether it be family or whether it be work or whether it be like vacation or the traveling, whatever it is, you have to think about when you think about your dream job, you have to think about how that fits into your overall dream life right like for me right now my my actual dream situation is like to make x amount of money in x small amount of hours so that I have more time to focus on my family and give to my family so it's like it doesn't really matter what the work is as long as it's aligned with my personality and core competencies it's enough for me as long as it hits those two things this many hours this much money and so that really frees me up to find work that you know, can, can be really fulfilling as long as it's focusing on those things that I need right now. Whereas maybe at another time in my life, I'm looking for something different in what I do. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, it, it definitely depends on where you are in your life as well, because certain things will become important to you that weren't important before and, you know, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. So I wrote down a couple of questions that, you know, now that we're we're kind of getting into this conversation about, you know, what is a dream job? What what is it that you want to do? And so I think more focused toward people who are like going every single day to something that they hate doing. You know, let's talk about how we can open our minds to finding something suited for us and what those priorities are. So um, these are kind of the classic questions that if you're looking, you know, on like a on a what are those things called? Like an assessment? What are those things? Those assessments you do in like high school or something? You know what I'm talking about? Um, no. <laughs> yes. Like a job placement test. That's oh, I mean. job placement test. Okay. Yeah, yes. exactly. Okay. So would you do your job even if you weren't getting paid to do it? What can you do for hours on end without noticing time going by? What feedback do you get from those in your life about what you, what you're good at and what your talents are? And then, you know, thinking about balancing time, money, commute location, 
you know, and level of engagement. Like, like that's the question we've already kind of covered, which is like, how does work fit into you, the life you want to lead? I think that's an important one because everything in life is a toss up. So it's like one thing could be, you know, one job could be really good for a first instance. I was waitressing and I really liked waitressing. I really liked talking to people. So that was a good job for me. And it was like super flexible. So it allowed me to do other things and explore other things more than I would if I had to really like, you know, take work home with me, which a lot of people have right. to do. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people in creative industries end up waiting tables because if they get an audition, they can trade shifts with somebody. Or like you said, you can, you know, you can work at nighttime and you can use the whole day to write the book you're trying to write. Like it's right. a very good job for people that are creatively aligned. Or like for me, when I was in college, I had a really boring job at a retail store where I had like nothing to do, but I basically was able to study while I sat at the cash register. And so like, right now I would hate to have a job where I have to be someplace and do nothing all day long, but then that's exactly what I need and it fit perfectly into my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Retail's tough. <sighs> Retail is impossible. Like for people like us, I think, you know, we're, we're, we'll get to this later, but you know, our personalities are really aligned in that we're social people. We like to be around people. We like to help and be of service. We like to be active. You know, yeah. I like, like one of my favorite things about being in the service industry was just the interactions I would have with my coworkers. Yeah. So if I was working on an idea or trying to be creative, I could sit down and while we're all folding napkins, I could pitch my ideas to them and get their feedback. And like when I lived in New York, oh my God, every person I worked, I worked at this huge restaurant in New York and it was like full of celebrities and stuff. And every person I worked with was an actor, a musician, a writer, like everybody yeah. had great ideas and they were dynamic people to be around. And that opened up my mind to a lot of creative possibilities. One of my favorite things about waitressing and why I hated working in retail is that I just couldn't keep moving and like talking to people. And it feels like a very like lively atmosphere mm-hmm. like you're always like going you're always on the go you're always like like it felt like I was like on my own tv show and I was like the host yes you know definitely. what I mean like of course. like yes, like I, some sort yes. of it sounds silly but like the star of some sort of thing where you're like hey how you doing you're doing good all right how you guys like <laughs> right well and, and when you're on there's nothing that feels better than that yeah you know, when you show up at work and you're having like a down day or an you know introverted day you don't want to be there you don't want to do it but yeah. when you're like you show up and you feel like doing it it feels great yeah. to, you know you're you're killing it It feels like you're on some sort of stage because everyone's like looking to you and you're for, improvising yeah exactly <laughs> but that's why I think so many people get stuck in that industry too is it's very difficult to to transfer out of that into like a normal job situation like I remember my first real job I was a teacher and I, I was like struck by how annoying it was to have PTO and sick days you know, that I couldn't just right. like, I couldn't just get someone else to take over my classes, yeah. you know, like when I didn't feel like going, which is such a, you know, valuable thing about your work in restaurant industry. So when I thought about this, I thought about how it was to juggle both a day job and a dream job. And I thought about how it was when I was waitressing and working on the screen printing business with my sister, or when I was working on my YouTube channel and trying to get the uh, dating advice thing going. Um, and... I remember reading a lot of advice about balancing the two or how to handle the two. And one of them I would see over and over from these like entrepreneur guru types would be to burn the boats. And so burn the boats kind of mean that you are like just getting rid of any other options. So it pretty much means that if you have a dream job, you would quit 
your day job and just go 100%, give 110% to what you want to be doing. And this way, it makes it so failure is not an option for you. Like you have to make this work or you're not going to eat basically. <laughs> or, you know, you, you're doing literally, you will do whatever it takes to succeed. The idea around it is that you will do whatever it takes to succeed because you have absolutely no other choice, which like Becca just said, it was that idea was so terrifying to me. And I don't think that there's a lot of people who are in the position that can really do that and not be, or maybe there are, I don't know. There's definitely, well, a- I don't know. This is like the people that, you know, sell everything they own and move to LA. Right. And just say, like, exactly. fuck it, I'm going to live in someone's garage until I make it. I'm just going to go and audition and audition and audition until I make it. True. And like, that's great for 22-year-olds. Exactly. Not so great for 32-year-olds with children. Yeah. You know? So, like, you know how to know your place. Absolutely. So, it's burn the boats or have a backup. And I think that having that day job to support you through trying to do whatever you need to be doing is for me was the better option. I found it way easier to keep working at my day job and slowly build toward my dream. However, with that scenario, sometimes you your dream will come a little slower because you you know, you do spend half your time doing something else, but you don't have the terrifying prospect of being hungry or not being able to feed your kids, which is just also not an option. <laughs> right. Right. And so I also wanted to talk about the sacrifice and balance that it takes when you're trying to juggle a day job and a dream job. And, you know, you really do have to sacrifice a lot. It takes a lot of it takes up a lot of your time. But Mm -hmm. normally, especially when you're first starting out, like you're happy to give up like you know, social engagements and TV shows. Like, <laughs> you're not going to be able to go out for drinks with coworkers, and you're not going to be able to talk about the latest episode of Game of Thrones, and you're going to be completely lost and covering your ears and saying la-la-la-la-la when people are talking about it. And you're not right. going to be able to... You're not going to know what the news is or whatever. Like, you just have to be ready to be living this life of kind of... Uh, not seclusion, but you're definitely going to be on a different path than the most people are around you. And a lot of people might not understand that. And especially if you have kids, it can be a little tough because they're not going to understand that you just got home from work, but then now you also have to do work, which was really hard for me. But I think that if you know that you're going to have to sacrifice a lot in the beginning, like you already know you're going to have to sacrifice these things, you can kind of try to work around it and try to find balance. And Well, and you have to be able to see the end line, right? So see the finish line. So you need to be able to look forward and say like, I need to sacrifice for this amount of time in order to get this, this thing and make this change that ultimately is going to be much better for everybody. But what you're talking about is like sustainability, right? You can do that. You know, you can get excited and do it for a month, but to be able to do that for four years is going to take a lot of resilience and, and, willpower you know right and I think that when you think about what it is that you want to be doing your dream job you kind of have to think about how long it might take for this to get started or for it to actually be a thing where you could cut down your hours or could take a part-time job and focus more like when you're going to start transitioning into the dream job being more of your main focus and your day job being more in the background Um, Yeah. And I would say that just thinking about it is not even enough. Like, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I'm a planner and I like, that's me. You know, like I, like I said earlier, I was like, I have a plan at all times. I have a plan for the next five years of my life. Like I don't, you know, I don't 
live through the day without knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing and where I'm going. And that's just, that's how I am. And I know not everyone's like that, but especially at a life or job transition, you need to make a plan for you to follow. You need to know how many years of school it is, how many classes, how much that costs so that you can be looking ahead to say, okay, after this step is done, I'm on to that step. And I think that that, you know, when you're just like willy nilly picking the steps out of order and, you know, backtracking because you're not not aware of what you need to have or you're going to register for the class and you only have half the documents because you didn't pay attention then that's you know deflating that's what gets people off course I think if you set out a plan and really know where you're headed you're way more likely to achieve those marks yeah absolutely and it'll be a lot easier to balance your life when you know exactly what it is that you need to be doing and how much time you need to put into it and how much time every day that you need to work on it and like Becca said, I was going to add this, that um, a calendar is going to be your best friend. Like if you don't oh, yeah. have everything planned out in the calendar, like your work schedule, what you're going to be working on and what needs to be done with your uh, whatever your dream job is, say like you're trying to be an, a musician and you are setting up gigs and you have to practice and you need to like really set out all those time slots to be able to make that happen because if you do do it willy-nilly you are going to end up being stressed the fuck out for sure <laughs> and you're and overwhelmed as well you right know? and so speaking of stress and overwhelm I was going to say that it's really easy to forget to take care of yourself when you're trying to juggle both these things and it takes mm-hmm. up so much time in your life and there's so much advice out there that's just like hustle grind hashtag no sleep hashtag no days off and it's really glorified especially in the entrepreneurial space to just like go 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 you know work harder than everybody else around you like just like always have your nose to the grind but the reality is if you do live your life like that you're going to get burned out really quickly and it's better to work smarter sometimes and not just harder. And I think that's where the planning also comes into play. But you need to, I think that the best time for me when I was juggling both waitressing and trying to start a business, the best the best times for me was the times where I actually did make it a point to get sleep when I didn't fool myself and say that I could go drinking out with my friends and wake up early the next morning to try to do something right or you know when I was eating healthier and doing yoga and meditating and taking care of myself in all the ways that I could because you know the harder you work the more burnt out you're inevitably going to get and oh yeah when you start trying to survive on caffeine and red bulls and five-hour energies you're just going to start feeling like shit and you're not going to be able to put as much into your work and your work is not going to be as good as it could have been if you did get that rest if you said no to that social engagement if you you know woke up and ate yogurt instead of just drinking coffee and a bagel right you know what I mean um so and if you really are like if you're hearing that advice and I've been here in my own life you know when I started my business and I had a a baby and then had another baby and was like in the thick of basically like trying to work like a full-time person that had no kids and trying to be like this super mom for my kids. Like I got stuck in the middle of that and I had set that ball in motion without really knowing what that was on either end. Like I'd never started a business before and I was never a mom before. So I just said, let's do it all at once. And it was a very bad idea. But (laughs) 
my point is that people would say this to me. They'd say, you're, you're losing it. Like you need to take a break, go for a run, like go, you know, sit and meditate. And I would, my answer would be like, I can't. there's no time for that. I really can't. Yeah. There's no time for that. Like I am so to the wire with everything that if I don't give this everything I have every day, it's going to fall apart. And I think in some ways that was true. Like I really definitely did have just too much. And what I should have done looking back is been more realistic about what was actually achievable, right? Like yeah. the kids weren't going anywhere. Yeah. Someone had, you know, or, or like I could have hired more help for them or I could have taken a few less jobs. I could have forced, you know, a, a lesser workload. Like there was action to be taken there. And instead, the only action I felt comfortable taking was just putting my needs totally to the side. And that was not the right choice, you know? Right. So that, that can't be the thing that goes. Something you know, if you have to do one more year of classes so that you can only take two classes instead of three, if that's what you can really handle, then do one more year of classes. Don't, you're not going to be able to effectively, you know, cram it all in and be a sane person. Yeah. I think that you have to be smart about what you are willing to sacrifice and your sanity should not be one of them. <laughs> right. Your sanity is definitely should not be the it's, thing it's, for sure. It should not be an option. All right, so let's talk about Myers-Briggs because it's great to talk about how to do two things at one time until you can make the transition or to, you know, think about ways to fit in what you love to do with the job you already have. But for a lot of people, they don't even know what they would do um, or what, what would be better suited to them. And so maybe y'all have heard about this before. I feel like it's relatively well known. But in the past for me, when I'm struggling to figure out what I want to do or what's suited to me, um, I've read books and done the Myers-Briggs thing before. Have you done that? Yeah, I've done it a, a few times throughout my life. Yeah, me too. And I think it's helpful. It's helpful to learn about yourself, to kind of know where you're at. It's a good like foundational thing to do if you've never done it. This is going to be the homework for this week. So we found a place that you can take a truncated version for free. Um, it's called 16personalities.com. And you can go on there and take the free assessment. And then they give you some feedback about what type of person you are. So the reason this is helpful is a couple things. So one, you can kind of identify the fields of work that might be better suited for you. But also you can identify, you know, ways in which you work, um, the ways in which your, your personality factors into your love life, into your relationship with your children, into all the different things you do. And sometimes the answer isn't necessarily getting like a brand new shiny dream job, but just figuring out how to better fit the job you have to who you are and how you work. And this is like a, a good way to start that. So I'll just say there's a couple different categories and you're going to end up on either side of these categories. So one is mind. So you're either introverted or you're extroverted. Your introverted people prefer to be alone, obviously, and extroverted people prefer to be in groups and get energized by other people. And that's sort of like a basic explanation. What was your second uh, category? What was your introvert? Oh, for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's so weird. I'm exactly in the middle. 49.51. I am one point toward extroverted. I'm not surprised How about by that. you. Um, mine was <laughs> I'm 68% more extrovert than introvert, which... There you go. That's why you love waiting tables, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really do like being around people and, you know, being, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I love being around people. And I, when I have enough of that, I need to be alone. Like I, I've been with my kids for like four weeks straight because of spring break and travel and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I am a basket case. Like I have not had alone time in 
in a really long time and I'm, I'm losing it. You know, I know that about myself. Right. And, and my job is really social. Like, so even when I, when I get away from my kids and I need to do my job, all of a sudden I'm away from my kids, but I'm dealing with a whole nother person's set of needs and their emotions and you know, all of that. And so in some ways, yes, very social in other ways, like I need my alone time. And obviously there's people out there who love to be accountants in a room all day with a spreadsheet by themselves. And you know, that's, that's valid too. It just depends on how and who you are, right? Yeah, and I think it changes throughout your life because when I was younger, I would definitely say that I was more of an introvert because I would I, w- I was good at pretending to be an extrovert, but uh-huh. like in my soul, I was more of an introvert, but I think I pretended to be an extrovert for so long in my life that now I just am one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I could see that, but also I think you know, you really do light up around other people. And I've, I've known that about you our whole life. You know, you, you smile easily. You're very funny. Like you, you know, once you get in a group, like it brings out your best qualities, I would say. That's true. Okay. So the second, the second, um, umbrella is energy. So you're either observant or you're intuitive. So observant people are highly practical, pragmatic, and down to earth. They have like habits, um, they're always thinking about what's happening or what's happened, where intuitive people are really more imaginative, open-minded, and curious. Um, they prefer newness over stability, and they're always thinking about like hidden meanings and future possibilities. So where'd you fall on that one? I'm 60% more intuitive than observant, which is definitely true. Yes, me too. So I'm 64% intuitive rather than observant, which is definitely true for me. I am always thinking about the future nonstop. Yeah, and I just like, I'm not very good at habit and routine and like I always want to just do something random and out the box. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. I love my routines, but I'm also like, I'm for, I'm down for whatever. Yeah. The next category is nature. So you are either a thinker or you go by feeling. So thinking individuals focus on um, at a logic they tend to hide their feelings and they see efficiency as really important where feeling individuals are more sensitive and emotionally expressive. They're empathetic, not that competitive, and they focus on like social harmony and cooperation. Yeah, I'm 58% more feeling than thinking. And um, I would say that I think that I'm a little bit competitive, but I am definitely very empathetic and I definitely have a very easy time reading people and seeing, you know, like knowing what they're feeling before they say anything or, you know what I mean? Yes. And maybe you're competitive because you're an Aries like me. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I was 83% feeling, which is definitely true. Like if I'm talking, like the number one thing I like to talk about is people's feelings, why they do what they do. Right. You know, I like to watch dramas on TV. Like I'm really into conversation. Like, yeah, that's all definitely true. Okay, the next part is um, tactics. The next category is tactics. So you are either a judging judging person or you're a prospecting person. So this is the one that's really funny where we really differ in two different directions. So mm-hmm. um, judging people are decisive, thorough, and highly organized, and they value clarity, predictability, and closure and prefer structure and planning. And prospecting individuals are good at improvising and spotting opportunities, and they tend to be more flexible relaxed, um, nonconformists who like to keep their options open. Yeah. I was like, I'm 94% prospecting, which is crazy that it's like that high, but I'm Uh definitely just not, 
I mean, I'll plan it. You know, I'll plan it. I have to plan. But just like Becca, we're laughing earlier because when Becca was saying that she has her life for the next five years planned out, I'm like, I don't even have tomorrow planned out. <laughs> right. And I've always been like that. Like, I've always been like, I'm going to wing it. Even like, in, you know, in high school taking tests or whatever, I would just be like, I'm just going to wing it. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember. Which has gotten and me I, in a lot I'm of like, trouble. <laughs> And I, I was 60% judging. I feel like I'm definitely lean towards judging, but, um, but I also feel like I'm pretty good at improvising and spotting opportunities too. So that makes sense for me. Like I like to be organized. I like to plan, but I'm pretty flexible. I'm not so rigid. Right. Right. And then the last part is identity. So you're either assertive or you're turbulent. And this is another one that I got 4951 on, which is so Interesting. So I was just one point over to turbulent, but turbulent individuals are self-conscious and sensitive to stress. They're likely to experience a wide range of emotions and to be success-driven, perfectionist, and eager to improve, where assertive individuals are self-assured, even-tempered, and resistant to stress. They refuse to worry too much and don't push themselves too hard when it comes to achieving goals. So what'd you get? So I'm 75% turbulent, which is like surprising to me because I don't really feel that self-conscious but um maybe i am (laughs) that's interesting i would i really would think you were more assertive but i think we are similar in this way that we both present as assertive but what's happening inside is very turbulent so i've gotten (laughs) this feedback like through my whole life people are always like oh my god you are so calm cool and collected like you just really have your shit together and i'm like you don't understand but I'm freaking out inside. <laughs> you know, like I just like bring it all into my inner life, which is probably why I need so much time to like reflect and be alone so that I can process these emotions and like talk myself off a ledge because that's what's happening in in deep, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no one not that many people in my life have told me, "Wow, you really have your shit together." So maybe <laughs> We got to work on that. Maybe maybe the turbulent thing fits because I've just like a lot of my life has been spent just being like, huh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, you know, we did this exercise and I think like once you sort of see, you know, so what were the um, the, so what were some of the things that stuck out about like once you completed the test, what were the things that rang true for you? So first of all, when I was doing the test, I think that in the past when I did this test that a lot of times when I would answer the questions I would answer um about like who I wish I was instead of really thinking about who I am so now you have to be honest you have to be completely honest and I think that that's why the test is good because you really look at yourself like damn like you know like for instance one of the questions were do you think about a conversation you know, long after it's over. And even though I want to be the type of person that's like, no, nah, man, fuck that. Fuck that conversation. I don't care. I'm definitely right. the type of person that will be yeah, you're up like all up night, at night like, staring what? at the ceiling. I should have said this. And why didn't I say this? And right. oh, man, you know what I mean? So you have to be really honest with yourself about the questions to get a true answer. And this is probably the truest, mm-hmm. uh, the truest answer or feedback that I've gotten because I really try to be really real with myself. But, um, they said that I was a free spirit, life at the party, enjoy com- emotional connections, which is definitely true. Um, people have definitely described me more of, as a free spirit than someone who has their shit together. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I crave creativity. Hot-blooded. Yeah. Hot-blooded. <laughs> <laughs> um, curious, observant, uh, great communication, know how to relax, popular, friendly, which has been... 
uh, definitely my life. Uh, I've definitely had, you know, uh, more time to, I definitely take relaxing more serious than like, go, 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 go. Uh And I definitely, uh, I don't know. I definitely identify with all that kind of stuff. So that was the pluses for, I'm, I'm a campaigner. It tells you these these titles of like what your personality type is, mm. and my personality type is a campaigner, and this is all the things that are describing campaigners. Um, but it says that I have poor practical skills, have trouble following through, which is definitely true because I get very excited and enthusiastic about something new, but then I do like once it turns into a routine or once it turns into like a day to day kind of thing I do get less interested in it and it's a lot harder for me to keep at it um and Mm. it it says that I'm an overthinker I get stressed easily um which I don't feel like I get stressed easily but I think that I definitely am an overthinker and maybe Mm. I'm not you know I'm not uh acknowledging stress you're just not not thinking of stress in the right way because you've admitted many times that you suffer from paralysis yes and so that is a response to stress it's not like the same way that we think about stress of someone pulling their hair out but when you aren't able to do anything and you can't move forward like there's been lots of times that you've talked about that in your life that you just just shut down and that I think is a real true response to stress as well that's true then I do get stressed easily. <laughs> and now I'll be overthinking this later. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so what, is your, okay, what are and, your pluses? What are your like Okay, uh, so yeah, some of the things that I was called an advocate. And so some of the things I thought were true, it said unflinching devotion to children and a focus on them raising them as equals. Um, career, this was a negative, but like setting widely different paths that are all going in different directions and then being like upset or confused about having to pick one. Um, not really being able to work in an office environment, um, looking for meaning in my work, helping and connecting people, being kind of the core focus, using creativity to affect change in others. And then some of the fields that they thought counselor, psychologist, life coach, spiritual guide. And those are all things that I've, you know, considered. I was going to say that one of mine was TV personality, which I felt was interesting because I really loved doing the YouTube thing and being in front of the camera and, um, so I think that it is helpful when it tells you about those those uh, paths, career paths, because even though I might not want to be like a TV personality or like a journalist in like a traditional sense, in the sense of like a YouTube channel or something else like that, you know, yeah. I like attention. Or even this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And I thought this was really true too, you know, and this just goes so perfectly in with what we were saying, but it says, you know, advocates um, leave themselves with few options for letting off steam and people with this personality type are likely to exhaust themselves in short order if they don't find a way to balance their ideals with the realities of day-to-day living, which is exactly what I just said happened to me when I tried to do it all. And I think that, you know, understanding my nature and it really took me like, it took me like really getting to like mental breakdown status to get real about this. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to just be grinding and grinding and grinding in a miserable state to where I can't enjoy my life. And so I know that I have a tendency to do that to myself. And, and it's taken a lot of focused energy to undo some of this, like some of my nature, you know, so that I can live a a happier, less stressful existence. And so I think this, this little test is like, the first step some in some ways to 
understanding yourself a little bit better and then making some changes in your environment, your work life or your whole life to, you know, free up some space for you. Yeah, definitely. And now that we were just thinking about this, when I was think when I said I'm not that self-conscious, when I was thinking like, how could I use this to my benefit? I really am kind of self-conscious in some ways because I would have, sometimes I would have trouble talking to people, even though I really like talking to people about, I don't know, everything. And I, you know, it says life of the party. It's really weird to call yourself the life of the party and popular and all that kind of stuff. But I really do enjoy being around people. And I really do like talking to people about stuff, but I would be super self-conscious talking about like my dating and relationship coaching. Cause I would just think that people wouldn't understand it or whatnot. Right. So that kind of, uh, held me back being that free spirit life of the party person that enjoys emotional connections that would always be at war with each other. The fact that I was like self-conscious about talking about it, but I want to talk about it because I am that person like, Hey, Hey guys. Right. And maybe (laughs) if you were just more open to going out and talking about what you're doing and, you know, fielding it with every person you meet, you might be able to move more forward with that. Like I think the times where you did have successes with it is because you were like going to conferences, engaging with other people, doing the same thing, finding opportunities for other people to invite you to help them with the thing they're doing, you know? So the more social you make it, I think it's successful. I think you start to fail with it when you try to do it by yourself in your room and it's only you and the computer. Yes, exactly. So there you go. Myers-Briggs. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Now we're going to have therapy going on. All right. So, okay. A couple more tips and then we're going to sign off. So basically like I was thinking now, now you've done the, now you've done the test. You kind of see what you, what you're thinking about. You've given some thought to what you want to do. So how, how do you fit these things in your life? How do you make this change? So one is, is what you love to do profitable? Figure that out first. Is it actually something that can be turned into a job? Because if not, maybe it's just a good candidate for a a hobby. And in the whole life aspect, you're going to make time to do that more so that you feel more fulfilled. So like one example I thought of is, okay, say you want to fish that like just casting a line, hanging out on a bridge, you know, having the day to just chill out and relax is that's your dream. Um, Maybe like maybe you're not going to make a bunch of money doing that. Probably not. But maybe what you could do is figure out how to work a job that's Tuesday through Saturday instead of Monday through Friday so that you get every Monday to yourself to go fish at the places where everybody likes to fish, but it's going to be less crowded because you're doing it on a Monday. You know what I mean? It's like figure out a way to use your work to fit in that thing that you really love to do or that is a core part of your identity. Right. Something else you can do is maybe you're like 75% happy at the job you have. Maybe there's a way to talk to your boss about becoming 100% happy. So, you know, I've been here for 10 years. I love so many things about this, but I keep returning to this one thing that's really problematic for me. I need to work at home two days a week. Yeah. I can't come to the office every day. People are stopping by my desk. I'm actually not that social. I'm really more of an introvert. I have a home office. I know I would be more productive at home two days a week. How can I work to make this happen? Like, what do I need to do to prove that I can do it like this? And you never know. People could be more open to your ideas than you think, right? Absolutely. Thinking about creative ways that you can make your life better and not just think about like dream, like what your dream job is. You know, you can create your dream life instead of your dream job. For sure. 
And then if you really decide that you need to make a full on change, right? We already hit on some of this stuff, but research what it takes to be in the new field you're considering. Definitely talk to other people who do it. People love to talk about themselves. Find somebody, you know, ask everyone, you know, if they know someone who's an accountant, if that's what you're thinking about being, and then reach out and take that person to lunch and ask him all the questions you have about what, how they got their education, where they started, what they made when they first started, what's possible, where they're going, you know, just kind of pick their brain. People like that. They would love for you to buy them a sandwich and ask them a bunch of questions. Yeah. Um, save up, like you said, have a good backup plan. I mean, spend a year just saving money so that you can, you know, float this or pay for the class or whatever that is. Yeah, definitely. Make a detailed plan, follow the steps, see the finish line. You'll be there before you know it if you just chunk it out and start working on it. And then like with all things, you know, you got to be open to pivots. If you get started and you realize you need to make a change, don't just be so headstrong that you have to like barrel through no matter what that you said you were going to do this thing. No, like something better comes to light. Be open to making, you know, making a little change. Yeah, I think in, and then in I, life we always have to be open to pivots because you just never know what path, what opportunities will open up and what path you'll go down. And if you're so rigid in like what you have your vision set on, you're not going to, you're going to definitely miss opportunities to do other things that could lead in a great direction. Definitely. And I really, really like your advice of focusing on a dream life first and then thinking about what job fits into that dream life overall, because your dream job, you know, might be this ideal that you have, but it may really not have any place in the life that you actually want. And you, it's better to get real about that before you spend your whole life thinking that you want to do something that you're really not even able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Be you know? realistic with yourself. Cause like I think of a dream job and I'm like, Oh, I would love to be like a, like a travel blogger and just travel and eat and blog about it. But then I, I have to be like, first of all, that wouldn't work. Cause who's right. going to be with court. And second of all, like I don't even really like, um, being alone traveling like that also might be a nightmare for me but you know what I mean yeah, like so like th- consider the reality consider of what the, the realities yes exactly because yeah. because there is like a bad part to every job too exactly. you know and then the last little like wrap-up tip that you covered I think is really you know that you got to take care of yourself and that does fit into your dream life too you know like how much time do you need like some people only need to sleep five hours a night those people I, I hate them. them. If I only had to sleep five hours a night, I would get so much done. Yeah. But that's not me. I need to sleep eight or nine hours a night. That's a four hours extra that person gets a day. But but like no matter. It doesn't matter. If I tried to only sleep five hours a day in three days, I would be completely useless. And that is the reality of who mm-hmm. I am and, and what I do, you know, what I need. So I think being real about what your self-care routine is in, in an ideal sense first and then building everything out from there is just, I mean, that's awesome if you could do that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely couldn't sleep three or, I mean, four hours, five hours. Fuck Hell that. no. I'm, I'm like so depressed if I do that. I'm, I'm just, I can't do anything. I can't, I literally can't do anything. I just break down. And now tell people where to find us. All right. So please, we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review and subscribe and share this episode with anyone who is struggling to either figure out what they would like their dream job to be, or they're trying to figure out how to juggle their dream job in their day job and write a question to us. Um, you can write a question to us at kickinthepanties.com or you can visit us on Facebook slash KITP podcast. Perfect. 
Um, okay. And speaking of questions, so we have next week, we have an episode coming up. We've got another question this time from Paula. So Paula says, dear panty kickers, I'm a woman in my early forties who has a question about daily routine. I figured out some solid routines in my thirties. Good work, Paula. We're all working on that. Yeah. That really work for me, but lately have been feeling a little stale. Do you have any advice on how to shake things up? I don't want to wake up in five or 10 more years and still be in the exact same place, but I'm not necessarily motivated to do something different so I love that question that's awesome we're gonna think about it and get back to you (laughs) I know I immediately I was like wait maybe she just needs like sex advice I feel like you replace some of the words and it's like right Paul that popped up in my mind because Paul just found out about vaginal rejuvenation like three days ago and he was like what is that that sounds horrifying like do you think Paul wrote this question Paula (laughs) oh Paula is Paul like pranking us right now? <laughs> you know what else I found out about penile implants? We were talking what? about vaginal re- rejuvenation and penile implants. I found a question on <laughs> whattoexpect.com about some girl whose boo was getting a penile implant. I didn't even know that was a thing. So anyway, I don't think Paul is asking about penile implants or vaginal rejuvenation. And I'm sorry for even implying it. Paula, I'm sure your vaginal is great. <laughs> Oh my God, this has been Carolyn and Becca saying, asking, what are you going to do this week? Kicking the panties. Are you going to get that pussy tightened girl? I can't say that. Oh, you can't say that.